What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Radio. Dan Nath, how are you, son? I'm good. I feel like with the Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson of Welsh podcast team. You specifically asked um, in a text message that we be referred we referred to each other as Daddy and the Boy. Yeah, no, you did. No, uh, I, and then I shock and the boy. Shock and boy. All right, so well, well the, the Daddy and the Boy as you, <laughs> of like, the Welsh podcast team. Yeah, yeah. And I'm quite time. immature, and I. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so. Finger on the pulse as ever. We are here with our general election special. Only two weeks after the election has sort of calmed down. Well, we want to come with a hot, like a really hot take immediately because we could have been wrong. So yeah, we wanted to come in with like a war room temperature. Yeah, take. wait for everyone else to sort of make mistakes of you know whatever. Um, anyway, we're delighted to be joined today by two very special guests. We've got Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Hi. <laughs> Aaron's uh, day one, sort of been sort of uh, helping us out with the show. She's been absolutely fantastic and obviously incredibly smart and got a lot to say. Uh, follow her on Twitter at BlueBooksBurner. And we're also joined again by Dan, who is more commonly known as Immolation <laughs> on Twitter. Welcome, Dan. Hello. What's happening? Not much. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about... I'm just going to go through the stats because this is the part that, you know, the... Let's get out of the way. Everyone wants to know. Right, so... So <laughs> people can tune out straight away. Then. Well, I haven't written like a spiel or anything. I've just... Just written stats and I'm gonna just, just numbers. Yeah. yeah. All right, so yeah, I'll just so stats. UK election ends in a hung ended up in End a scully mode. <laughs> the end ended in a hung parliament. Alright, so Labour got two hundred and sixty two seats, the Tories went three hundred and eighteen, not enough to form an overall majority. Uh, in Wales, which is obviously our area of focus, Labour's vote share went up twelve point one percent. The Tories also went up six point three percent, even though they lost seats. Uh Plaid Plaid's vote went down by 1.7%, but they still won one more seat, uh, such as a sort of first-past-post voting system. Uh, so seat-wise in Wales, uh, Labour up three seats now to 28 constituencies. Uh, the Tories were second in Wales with eight seats, that's you know, down three from 11. And Plaid, despite sort of losing a percentage of the vote, uh, at third with four seats, which is up one. So Labour took back Gower, Cardiff North and Vale of Cloyd. Is it Cloyd or...? Cloyd, I think. Cloyd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> tell. Um, yeah. Um, so Plaid won Kerry Diggin off the Lib Dems, meaning unfortunately for Lib Dems, they now have no seats in Wales, which is uh, tragic, as we, all, we can all agree. Um, so Labour's share of the vote in Wales was uh, 48.9%, which is the highest it's been in Wales since 1997, uh, where it was just over 50%. Turnout was up 68.5%, up 2.9% for 2015. So what's interesting for us is the Tories missed out on the key seats they were after, particularly one of the big ones like Bridgend, Wrexham. You know they didn't, uh, you know, hold on to Gower like they thought they would. Um, unfortunately, um, Alan Cairns held on, sort of just in the Vale of Glamorgan, and Stephen Crabbe in Pembrokeshire. They've still got their seats, but the majority sort of been reduced. Uh, I thought we could name and shame like the existing Tory constituencies in Wales. Um, so you've got Aberconwy, Clyde West. Montgomeryshire, Bracken and Radnorshire, Priscelli, Pembrokeshire, and Comanche West and Pembroke South, the Vale of Glamorgan, and Monolith, you are no longer welcome. In Wales. <laughs> so just, you know, I mean, Most of them don't want to be in Wales either, especially on the board. I just can't believe that the places with like the highest percentage of like elderly English people moving in also have the highest percentage of conservative voters. It's just a really, <laughs> really, <laughs> I know there's no... Um, but you know, demographics have nothing to do with anything. Alright, so, anyway guys, what did you make of the election? Did you enjoy it? Uh, you happy? You sad? Out of ten, uh, considering that the last two elections have led me to start planning that next time there's an election, I'll just get the hell out of the country. That I was actually 
quite happy as it got closer to the election. And then when the exit poll did come out, I think I was pretty shocked, and like most people, and quite elated as it went on, yeah. I think it was quite clear for like a week and a half, two, two weeks, that they were totally crumbling. I think before that, you could see that like it was going to be much closer. I, always, I, I never thought like they'd win a 100-seat majority of the Tories, but I thought it'd be about 30 seats, something like that. Um, which probably, I probably think would have been just about all right, but yeah, I was totally shocked by it. And I think since there's been quite a change in, I don't know, just feels like the tide on so many things has just changed since the election. But you wrote, um, not like a mere cult, but you wrote like a nice why I'm voting Corbyn, didn't you? Yeah, like yeah. That, which was good. <laughs> Because, you know, obviously you're proven... Yeah, it was difficult. Like, I, I was, like said, like, like last year, I was like, I'm never ever going to vote probably for like the next decade or two. I was like, this is, I'm done with this. This is stupid. And like, I had that whole attitude of like, well, none of the parties that could represent where, where like I'm coming from and where I think like they never they don't represent people in the valleys at all and stuff, mm. or a lot of the people in other areas. And I wanted to, um, I think actually what happened this time was that like, what Theresa May was saying, I actually found so threatening on some level, like things like devolution. And mm. um, I'm like, I'm not massively like a human rights activist or whatever, but some of the stuff she was saying about that was generally like, okay, this is a, a quite disturbing. Um, she said she was going to like start getting more involved in Wales and, and not have this devolve and forget um, attitude. And even paid us a visit as well in Bridgend. She did, yeah. That's part of her big. Stood in, a, stood in a factory oh no it's a Brackley community centre yeah was it yeah just mm. up the road from me I can't even Steve imagine what it would be like to be one of those <laughs> like, captive audience you know like if you're a worker in a thing like your boss is like shut up like just stand there like clap <laughs> on some idiot sort of when Charles Osborne puts his fingers in the conveyor belt yeah did, uh, <laughs> did you ever hear like um, where George Osborne gave out like a speech like factory workers and like these linguists and he changed he tried to change his accent yeah yeah training like, yeah no yeah training he's for it, like a this and it was yeah. just like hello chappies <laughs> no, he, he, uh, he spent he spent uh, years apparently trying to get rid of his like plums yeah. in his mouth like <laughs> Well, Whereas Michael yeah. Gove has gone the other way. There's like footage of Michael Gove on the Dylan Skinner in like the late nineties and he sounds very Scottish. Really? Like, yeah. Just <laughs> Um, and incidentally, back in the 80s, the rumour is that the Socialist Workers' Party being primarily sort of located within British universities amongst like upper-class upper or middle-class academics apparently had to do like sort of training for their members to like how to speak with <laughs> or understand regional accents and how to connect with sort of ordinary, the London proletariat. Like. I think that happened with like the start, like the Labour, you know, the Labour Party was formed, there was kind of like the trade union, um, I wasn't clear trade union upper class but the you know almost uh, trade union bosses and stuff but then like they did have like a kind of token working class man as like a decorator they used to kind of like bring out yeah, every yeah. now and then yeah it's so like, like yeah Erin what did you make of the um, the whole thing like uh, I feel like it was a bit of a mess um, initially yeah I felt a bit like you by the ends but I didn't think I'd vote for Labour and I felt that for quite a while. And then I noticed there was just a change where when the Tories started making these huge mistakes in the sort of two weeks coming up to the election, and like the way the Labour Party managed to seize that and turn it into something positive and 
be the positive party. I think that's the moment when I realised I would probably lend my vote to them. Um, yeah, I didn't expect them to do as well as they did. Definitely not, but I think they, they just managed to speak to first-time voters. I've spoken to loads of first-time voters who have voted for Labour. I haven't met one that's voted for anything, but... Um, and yeah, I do think it's the kind of partly because of that positivity, but also what else could you face if you didn't vote for Labour? The Tories seem particularly bad at the moment. Really, I think. Really like, ratchet at the evil. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disney level. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what was interesting, um, Matt Zarb cousin, uh, who's mm. the, the guy that. Nathan is a big fan of anyone that's <laughs> doing well for themselves on Twitter. Like. Um, but, you know, so uh, Marzal Cousin was Corbyn's uh, former, I think, press officer. And about, like, it must have been like six months ago, something like long ago, enough ago for it to be like really prescient. He basically said, like, Corbyn's getting, at the t- I think it was at the time that Corbyn was getting absolutely hammered, you know, like every day, every day. Um, and he basically said, like, the more you act, the press, people actually see of Jeremy Corbyn, the more they'll like him. And the more they actually see of Theresa May in the flesh, away from like the sound bites and the headlines, the more they'll just realise, oh my God, this woman is a complete fraud. And I mean, she may well, I mean, all, all these like liberal journalists are saying like Theresa May is actually in private, like a very warm person. <laughs> but irregardless, she's clearly got a problem with sort of displaying empathy and talking to normal people. And, and that just like shone through, didn't it? It was just. And also, what I thought was interesting that. Um, Again, like Jackman sort of pointed out, I didn't know this, but the specific, the reason, I mean, I was wondering, like, you know, what went during the Labour election campaign, because I, I, you know, there was a stage, I think, as you both said, that it seemed to start going, actually, this is going really well, like Corbyn's coming off as really <laughs> statesman-like, really relaxed, there's a real buzz, like, everyone, people like, you know, people I, you know, I didn't, who were not political, were coming out, like, voting for Corbyn, you know, my parents put in... Um, you know, never ever display would display like um, electoral sort of preferences in, publicly. We're having you know Labour stickers in the window because it's first, as you said, there's the gravity of like the, the what the Tories are saying the other hand, but also Corbyn just started getting. He just the, 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 he just all the negative publicity seemed to abate, and he just started being seen as this really like good, smooth, nice bloke. I, I think one of the key things as well, like a really good example of how they did that was like when the um, terrorist attack happened in Manchester, that was always like inevitably going to lead to the Tories attacking whoever's in charge of Labour for being weak. If it was Miliband, if it was Yvette Cooper, if it was anyone, they would have just just, just constantly criticised them for it. And I think actually, like it probably would have destroyed Miliband, Cooper, anybody else who's trying to triangulate and be a little bit, look, we need to be stronger on this, but we've yeah, this, and try and match the Tories. But actually... He came out quite quickly and just said, actually, I think foreign policy is an issue here in a very like, very nuanced way where he actually came across like a statesman. And it, it, it just preempted the Tories because like, they sent Michael Fallon and Boris and all the others out to do the standard lines. But they just looked so foolish. They looked desperate and as if they were just like throwing these IRA accusations at him and all this other stuff. It just made them look really foolish and like... I don't understand why they keep sending like Michael Fallon out because every time I see that guy, it's just like this is like yeah, it's like one of the most like fakest people I've ever seen on TV. But. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, the thing with the IRA is like, if anyone knows me, like the more Corbyn's linked with the IRA, 
the more I just love him. Like it's just like a <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I just I just don't get it. Like um, the, but yeah. So this this Jackman article is amazing because it's a the Labour Party's internal rules basically mean that when an election is called, everything else um, basically the team around the leader. Almost like you know in the American office when Dwight takes over and it's like his big like <laughs> chart, but it's basically like everyone else has to like legally basically shut up and let the the leadership team sort of conduct the campaign, yeah, yeah. and that's why doing the election campaign, oh suddenly like everyone seems to have got behind Corbyn and there was no you know, surprise surprise now that people in his own party aren't stabbing him in the back, he actually comes across as a really good guy, and also their strategy was. To move away from this like weird triangulation, like focus on the middle classes and things like that, and to actually focus on getting a positive message out there, focus on policies which are, let's face it, extremely attractive to people, like you know, nationalisation um, and things like that. Which is you know what for the last ten years people have been saying, oh, British public turn off and stuff like that. But but the national, like you've talked specifically about rail nationalisation, that's been in like almost every Labour manifesto since trains began. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's it's been been look, they will look at they will look at it as what they've usually said, though, isn't it? It's been like, oh, we'll have a look. Nah, it's, it's it's been. I think. I mean, it is. In some people say, in many ways, it is. It is almost like similar to the Milovan Manifesto. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't read the Milovan Manifesto. I've got to be honest, but like, uh, <laughs> I got a hardback of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I should say like Nathan reads like a book per week, like for. The show. That's an exaggeration. It's I was really trying to get it through because, like, you obviously would um, um, read about the troubles and uh, Irish Irish history and stuff. I got about thirty pages in. I was like, oh, I know it. Done it. No, I don't know. I was like, oh, that's good enough. It won't, the, come, it won't the, come up. The British for the bad guys. Yeah. Was um, a pop up book. Yes. So, ironically, there's something about the fact that it was a snap election. You know, really helped. Like helped Corbyn because he was just yeah. he, he was able to sort of submerge these sort of snakes in his own party and and, and I always sort of come out of it and people started calling him the Prime Minister because he <laughs> but it almost does seem as if I mean I know it's like facetious obviously um, by the way like I saw some guy on like I forget his name some weird like centrist comedian saying like uh, actually he's not, <laughs> actually he's not the Prime Minister and it's just like alright mate thanks oh. mate. Um, <laughs> no we're going to talk about like the hottest and worst takes, but we'll do that in a minute. Um, yeah. All right. So, what did you guys think? I mean, what do you guys think of the, sort of the relationship between people have talked about this already in the Welsh media? Darren Hill wrote a good article about how, in like Welsh Labour's campaign, essentially was they just didn't mention Corbyn, like they didn't mention any of the sort of things that he done in, in his manifesto. Instead, their manifesto was basically focused on things that they already have power over in the assembly yeah. so there was like a deliberate blurring of the boundaries between what's devolved you know Carwin Jones isn't AM and leader of the assembly he can't be elected to Westminster he's out camp you know he's like the front he's the face of like the Labour campaign in Wales and everything Carwin's got a great touch with the people I mean, he, he probably has because he's I would say Carwin, Carwin Jones is kind of like the opposite of Corbyn in many ways like Corbyn's seen by some people rightly or wrongly as like it's metropolitan liberal guy you know by which means he's not racist like um and carmen jones is someone that is very at ease with speaking to working class people you know he'd be at ease like giving a rugby club presentation and things like that 
um, which I think Owen Jones, Owen Smith rather tried quite painfully to like replicate, <laughs> like Owen Jones's ease with people, but you can't do it if you can't fake it really. Clearly. Especially if I'm going so. You can't just keep talking about the fact you got like twenty nine inch penis, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so what did you guys think? I mean, I mean now, obviously, well, say we're like, oh well, hey, I've always loved Corbyn. You know, he's always been, he's always been fantastic. But they were specifically, specifically distanced themselves from Corbyn during the campaign. So, what do you I mean? Do you think it was the strength of Welsh Labour that sort of did it for you know Welsh Labour, or were people voting for Corbyn? Or what do you guys think? Mm, I think the Welsh Labour took advantage of the fact that they were working within their comfort zone. Um, in Cardiff especially, um, a lot of the Labour politicians kind of went to uh, the Womanby Street uh, and had a big presence there at the Save Womanby Street, you know, knowing that... I mean, it's good that they went, of course, Um but you do wonder sometimes whether that's what... Because they truly believe it's <laughs> Yeah. yeah um, it's just like yeah, Simon, Simon Hedge, isn't it? Like the Labour centrist going to these like rock gates and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that they like distanced themselves so much initially and then the kind of unashamed celebration of Corbyn afterwards, it just, it was so transparent and... Yeah. I think at the vote, when people, for example, lent Labour their vote from Plaid, for example, that wasn't a vote for Welsh Labour, was it? That's obvious. That was a vote for Corbyn. And these are people who might want independence ultimately, and the fact that they've lent their vote to Labour this time says a lot about Corbyn's strength, I think. Is that how you would sort of describe yourself? Me, yeah. Like a blind yeah. sympathizer, essentially. What do you mean? <laughs> no, I mean like, no, because I mean we had a a brief sort of beef on Twitter. Like, you know, I said something like, uh, "Well, she's attitude was applied," and Leighton Andrew says that you know voters don't belong to you know parties don't own voters. But when you've got David Ellis Thomas on Kevin Brennan's election material urging all applied voters, you know, the former leader of Plaid Cymru, I think it's clear they made a and Chris Bryan did that really impassioned like please don't vote for Plaid you know like vote for me basically kind of saying we're all on the same side is that what mm. yeah I mean I don't know really I just feel that that nasty yeah the nastiness that followed that was something that really wound me up because they should have been grateful I feel it's not something that is a uh... <laughs> What was it? It was like Welsh Labour press off on Twitter. Basically, if anyone didn't see this, like erupt. So Welsh Labour spent all the campaigns like asking people to vote for them, saying like, there's always between us and the Tories, like you know, then you vote to us, blah blah. And as soon as it happened, they were like, ha ha, suckers, five votes down, like, reject across Wales. Like uh, I remember seeing, um, I think it was Renap Yardworth. I went to see Neil McAvoy's like speak in a church in Ely. And I went because I quite like Renap Yardworth and he was there as well. Um, and he was just chatting about how um, he was having a conversation with a Labour, Welsh Labour AM. And they were sort of getting on with each other really well and they were agreeing on so many policies. And and Reen turned around and said, well, you know, if, if you truly voted for these things, 
then I would be happy for there to be, you know, a, a Labour government. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind whether it was Plaid or Labour if we truly went ahead with these things. And he said that she turned around at that point and said, oh, no, I would never be happy with a Plaid government. So the point, <laughs> the point he was making was that it doesn't matter what the party is, it's, it's about the policies. And I think that that's kind of how I felt this time, was that you had to lend your vote to the policy, not the party. Downway. I think, like, Welsh Labour, I can't think of a better way to say it. Like, they're pretty cowardly. They just, they, they like, how long has Carraway been in power for now? It's almost like a decade, isn't it? hundred years, isn't it? <laughs> it feels like. Every full moon is like, you know, stronger. But, like, I can't think of one thing he's actually, like, put himself on the line for, tried to do, which is good. It's just, like, he's there. He goes wherever the wind blows and, like... Yeah, he's, I guess he's good with people, but then there's also like footage of him going round, or like people telling him like you've lost the fire in your belly or whatever. And, like, like I don't know. I, I just, I just like I was all when I've seen like Sturgeon standing up and saying about like Brexit, how that's affecting Scotland, and you've seen like the DUP and Sinn Fein and others talk about how it's going to affect Northern Ireland and they want certain trade deals or whatever. And then he just kind of like, oh, we we hope it doesn't affect the Barnet formula. We hope things carry on. Uh, you know, all right, can you make sure you give us money and like, please, yeah. Please, and it's just it's de- it's demeaning, like it's it's totally demeaning. And, and like for him to start then saying, oh well, Corbyn needs to do better and like this and that. It's like you haven't done like anything as far as I'm concerned. In fact, every time Plaid have put something forward, which is like in the Labour manifesto, which is a good thing, like banning zero-hour contracts, you've, you've voted against it. And I, I think the majority of people probably, number one, don't even know what Welsh Labour stands for or that they are different. And number two, if they do know, they probably voted in spite of them. They probably vote, they did vote for Corbyn, not for some brilliantly run Welsh Labour campaign. But Some uh, some legend wrote an article in Jacobin about that. Exactly. <laughs> Where <laughs> was his name? Similar to yours, wasn't that it? That exact topic. Like, but, yeah. but you're right. Bang on. Firstly, I think, I mean, well, what was interesting to me, like Roger Morgan, okay, he's now passed away, right? Roger Morgan gave um, uh, like an interview um, about a year ago. And people are basically like essentially saying what you're saying, Dan. Like, why is Carvin Jones being so like servile? Like, why? What? what where, where's this like complete reluctance to rock the boat? And Roger Morgan like quite literally said like, Wales should be rewarded like within the union because we're so like well behaved. Like, and it's just so that's almost like a negotiating. It's, a, it's a, it, it, I don't know if it's a specific negotiating strategy, but it's the polar opposite of the Scots who stand up, be counted in Westminster. You know, they're they're fighting like lo and behold. The more of a fuss you kick up, like the more of a threat you are to the established order, the more the establishment are going to sort of give you things to sort mm. of try to placate you. Whereas if you, surprise, surprise, if you just vote the same way and, and don't moan about anything ever, you're not actually going to get anything. There's less you can uh, take away from that. But, but secondly, yeah, like Welsh Labour have always been extremely well, they're good. They're, they're really good at what they do. And that is positioning themselves <laughs> against and, you know, whatever's popular. So like, you know, like Martin Shipton said, like, you know, when Tony Blair was, like, really, really popular, Welsh Labour were, like, sidling up to him around 1997. Come to 1999, um, you know, when Plaid made gains in the Assembly and Welsh Labour are seen as actually people going off New Labour sort of implementation of neoliberalism already. Lo and behold, you know, Roddy Morgan has his the clear red water speech. Um, they, they position themselves as this, like, social democratic party to the... The yeah, left of yeah. New Labour, despite the fact that actually 
there isn't really that much difference like in the, in the policy. There are some, and they should be praised for the fact that they, you know, they didn't go down like uh, PFI in schools and hospitals and things like that. And there were some like, progressive things, especially in education. But what I think is interesting is like, I always thought this, and what, what happens when there's like an actual socialist in, in charge of like uh, Labour in London, you know, uh, they've really struggled, I think, to, to define yeah, what they are like, you know, what 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 makes Welsh Labour distinct from Corbyn? Like, they're not. It's like you know, they're not New Labour, but they're not. They don't want to be seen as like low leftist. But I think that's it's like a hodgepodge of. But I think some of the, um, I know during canvassing, some Labour MPs uh, use that to advantage. Just like, oh, um, this person doesn't like Corbyn. I oh, send send me, and I'll tell them how much like I voted against him. And you know, so you can like you're saying, being separate to. Uh, London and the uh, Corbyn's Labour Party, you know, they have room to manoeuvre and, you know, kind of uh, it's a win, it's a win adapt, win. adapt to like any situation. It's like, oh yeah, Corbyn, because like, I was speaking to, um, I went around speaking to 18 to 35 year olds, just like, what your voter intention? <laughs> as, <laughs> as you do. As you, as do. you do, yeah. <laughs> and luckily this time there was an election on, so it made sense. Yeah. No, my, <laughs> my, my friend, my friend planned to write an article because like he was, um, he was trying to see like the difference between uh, different places in the UK. So he'd have like you know um, too lazy to do it himself. Basically, he was yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like metropolitan areas, you know, uni areas, which would be high in Corbyn, um, high in Corbyn voters, where there would be a surge compared to places like Birmingham, where it's a lot more like um, different races. And how does that play out to places like Bridgend, where you know it's a like post-industrial town you know and I, I was speaking to a, a lot of people and broadly you know yeah I'm voting Labour some flex time like well my family's always voted Labour so what I think and then um, I had one person who was like oh, I'm going to vote the Green Party I was like oh that's kind of interesting and then um, few few conservatives but they tended to be I guess some of the working class side um, the majority of like the Labour voters or potential Labour voters at that point were middle class saying how like oh, the draw for university fees being cut is a big one but then I did have um, this one guy who said like oh, I'm going to vote Plaid I was like oh that's interesting because uh, you know oh they're going to stand up for Wales but he's like oh I thought I wasn't going to vote Plaid though I'm going to vote Tory I was like oh <laughs> that's weird isn't yeah I was like because you get like these kind of anomalies but most the the people I guess there's like a, a kind of bias for like the people I was asking like oh I guess they kind of dress like me maybe approachable like but um, how is how, how do you dress what do you say but yeah, it's stylish, you know, yeah. constantly. So <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm a bit ahead of them, like fashion trends. Wearing t-shirts of uh, people of, of you took the beefs, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, fortunately, yeah, didn't get on here. Um, but the more say working class people, either completely disinterested, just like you know, what what's it going to do for me in a sense? And I think that kind of um, draws to a point of. Labour's manifesto, you know, of hey, we're going to give um, students free tuition, but at the same time, you're going to keep benefit caps. So who is the this who is Corbyn's Labour Party for? And it's like, well, middle class kids, pretty much. You know, it's not how you know Labour Party will often lean on their uh, welfare state they created. You know, we uplift the poor, and clearly within Corbyn's or the Labour Party manifesto uh, this time, that was ignored. You know, you'd rather keep people on benefits. I, I, I am convinced that, like, they've got something planned for welfare, though, because, like, every time McDonald's asked about, like, why is it still frozen, 
he kind of just says, oh, well, the costs have been frozen. And like, they, there's a hint to like that. I, I get the sense that they are going to do something quite radically different with it. Because like they're very very like lax on detail of what they're actually going to do with benefits and like McDonald, it always suggested it's something behind it could be could be terrible but but that, but that <laughs> wasn't like a kind of that wasn't a selling point of yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, was it and they were that wasn't the voters they were trying no, to attract because no. you know as you saw there's a surge in um, young voters for Labour uh, across the country but, student uh, votes as well yeah yeah I think the thing I find yeah, most like Canterbury when people like Canterbury will never ever turn conservative. Uh, turn Labour rather, but um, all of this huge student town. And it's also the interesting thing, like, um, well, the students might be there, but short down. Yeah. No, the f- I was going to say, the thing, I found mo- the thing I found most insulting about like, the way uh, Welsh Labour have acted recently is that, is that, like, one, I think, like, one of our friends, like, Kieran, uh, Kieran Owen, Paris Thomas on Twitter, was watching, <laughs> like, Kieran, Kieran. 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 he was watching. Tell us if you've got a birthday coming up. he was watching uh, like footage from when um, the assembly opened I think or like when the devolution went through and he was saying that it was all kind of written like oh Wales is now mature enough to have its own uh, political system and like it's finally grown up the Welsh people have you know they're now teenagers and they're almost uh, they're almost adulthood and all this other stuff and it's it's in that kind of vein like they still I consider like that's like part of the reason why they like, they think that like Wales isn't mature is because like Welsh institutions have been systematically destroyed basically. Yeah. Anything with like a Welsh language aspect was wiped out, and then it became basically a vassal of England. So like that that's why it's there. So like when you've got things like Brexit happening and all, and all these constitutional issues from like from a Scottish referendum still hanging over as well. It's done now, isn't it? But it's st- the, the issues are still there with the, with the vow and everything, and how much power they're going to have. And you have English, like this English nationalism of oh well, we, actually it's about we have an English Parliament and more power to England. That they should be standing up and rocking the boat and saying, all right, we want struck, we want like you to replace the structural funding from the EU. We want full control over that budget. Like we're going to use it to to regenerate regenerate Wales as as we want. And Carwin like doesn't do that. He just like does nothing basically just just sits there and just like asks asks that maybe the barnet formula is, is maintained begging, like, begging both approach, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's terrible I still have my pocket money well, <laughs> yeah. well interestingly enough um, today um, Owen Smith was asked about like um, people basically saying Northern Ireland you know the DP are going to try to get loads more money from Northern Ireland um, and people are alleging that Owen Smith has already basically said well of course Northern Ireland get more money because it's a unique situation implicitly like well Wales isn't going to get anything more. So you've got the situation where people have voted Welsh Labour, well, you know, for Corbyn, in my opinion, like in good faith. But the issue is, as we spoke when Mark was on the pod, ultimately the role of Welsh MPs, as you both said, is to go to Westminster and kick up a fuss. And, you know, given how poor Wales is, like Wales needs a strong vote, a strong voice in Westminster. It needs people not rolling over. Yeah. It also needs people voting on constitutional issues. Do we really think that people, Chris, like, we know Chris Bryant is against devolution, he's against devolution, de- devolution of policing. There was this like bizarre Twitter exchange when he was like, this is disgusting, like there's no police on the beat in uh, Rwanda, uh, they need more police. And then someone says, Chris, you just voted against like devolution of policing. Do you believe that policing should be devolved to Wales? No. So <laughs> it's like... Uh, that, that, that image of them all 
uh, when the is it the Wales Act yeah, was yeah, being yeah. debated and what there's two Labour MPs yeah, sitting there like one of them was, who is this Paul Paul Flynn Paul Flynn is there who, to be, he may have just be sitting there though to, to be, to, <laughs> no, just, to be fair Paul Flynn I thoroughly enjoy uh, Paul Flynn's Twitter <laughs> game to be honest he, talk, uh, he talks about redistributing uh, his he, wealth via the bookies like a good socialist oh, at, right at the races I think what what Welsh Labour have done quite effectively right Think about it, like you know, if Corbyn, if 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 they done really terribly, they could say, well, you know, that's, that's not our fault, it's Corbyn. And if they done well, they can say, well, it's ours, it's a test. Yeah, they can and position it's, themselves. And it's, ours, so yeah. it's, it's win-win, really. I mean, it's, yeah. we should also. <laughs> I should also note as well what Nate just talked about him. We've actually transitioned now from merely just sort of you know talking about the news. To actually go and you know we've got a reporting angle, a man on the ground. Yeah. Nathan going out like asking people their opinions, and Nathan was also at the camp. I was. I in was. Regen. Yeah. So and reporting me two weeks back. Like, like, how, how was it? Uh, it was good. So um, obviously uh, I was on you before. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. Like, oh, can you help doing sampling? So what that is, I didn't know until I did it on the day. Was as the votes have been poured out, you see how many, uh, you know. Biden's on, and then he ripped Biden's up, and then he went uh, change with Labour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. So you see, like, oh, this tick for the Tories, you take it down, so you kind of get a uh, idea of how um, the results have gone before it's called, and then you report back. But is it? It's not done electronically. Well, no. I mean, everyone voted. Yeah, I know, but like, it's so you're you're just count you're counting. You know? Oh yeah, then it goes back to like a dude oh, at right, the yeah. end uh, yeah. with a laptop because you know so, so. you could have different tables representing different districts within the constituency. Mm. So it was quite interesting and like quite funny. And then at the end, they were like, "Oh, I haven't seen you at any Labour Party meetings." Like, yeah, I'm not a member. And then it was just, just like, enjoy counting. Just yeah, I was reading the numbers. I just eh, whenever I can take them. What was them. the vibe in the? Well, the, initially the different camps. So. Um, Initially, before we went in, it started about 10. We were like, being died with saying, like, oh, I'm going to get slow. This is going to be quite a depressing night. And uh, you checked the exit polls, just, like, you know, as everyone saw, or a few people saw, it was just, you know, threw it all off. So then as you went on, you know, it was kind of at times touring Labour neck and neck, but Labour was pulling ahead a bit. And, um, you know, eventually Madeline retained the seat. But um, at the end, as uh, Karen Robinson's vote was being called, and it turned out that she had less than Madeline, one of the Labour guys shouted, oh, uh, on your bike, and just really upset, like the Tory camp. Well, she, she didn't live there, she didn't been there. Yeah, exactly. So it should be on your car or something. Maybe they just didn't, like, they got the transport. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, it's just like, she didn't get a bike, because she, she gets some of the driver. And then this, like, little. Because um, I guess with it, you can. People fall into categories like, oh, look, like all the UKIP guys were just like old, close to death in like their kind of like suits, their club suits. Not dead yet. Like. Yeah, all oh, the yeah. young Tories like tucked their, sh- their shirts <laughs> yeah. in, like, and um, this is one of them had like just grown a beard. Like, good for you. Well done. I just don't think, I mean, I don't know. I think I'd be like so vulgar, like, you know, if I want to be like eat shit, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, and then statesman, like, like yeah, it's, uh, it's something. It's something that bugs me about seeing like right and it's bad. It's something that bugs me about seeing right political parties like congratulate yeah, each yeah, other. Same. It you know, it just seems like it's like almost like oh it's, oh, it's all a game. I don't know. It is though, isn't it really? Uh, I just find it hard not to actively despise people who are like conservatives. I mean it's uh, It's nice when you see like a Labour and a Green shaking hands, they're awesome, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's really sweet, I think. Yeah. 
yeah, when, when it's our side, like yeah. this. Uh, I, I did enjoy Corbyn telling that guy in Parliament he was going to nationalise his water interests. <laughs> yeah. He's like, congratulations on coming back to the house. By the way, we're going to nationalise your uh, <laughs> your stake in the water industry. <laughs> um, I right, we'll just briefly talk about Plaid. You know, Plaid. Um, the share of the vote went down. I, th- I mean, I suspect that is because a lot of people who would traditionally have uh, voted Plaid, sort of as as you did, Aaron, like you know, lent the vote to to Labour and marginals because of the gravity of the situation, also because of Corbyn. Um, as, as we were almost kind of pushed to do, um, yeah. So, um, but you know, nonetheless, one carrot again. So, how, what do you guys make of uh, the plight? Is it? It's kind of a surge, but it kind of isn't. I once Corbyn started pushing that manifesto. I thought that. They were kind of screwed because I like I knew a lot of people who were saying, "Oh, look, regardless of what Corbyn is like, there's there's a lot of issues around Wales which Labour aren't good on, and actually we need to vote for." Um, I didn't say this, but like you know, a very pro-European party, but Wales within the single market and that kind of aspect. And I thought that they, I thought they would have actually done quite well in, in in a lot of seats based on that. But I think the manifesto just, just, just drove them into the ground in a lot of areas, I think. And not just, like, people lending their votes. I think it probably won a lot of people. Yeah. 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 I think the threat, that the problem for Plaid historically has been you know, how on earth do you respond to a social, like a genuine socialist when Plaid's whole thing has basically been, like, let's reposition ourselves. Well, not reposition ourselves, because they, you know, that's what they are, but as a social democratic party. So, I mean, given that Plaid haven't really been buying independence from, you're faced with... A small Welsh Social Democratic Party that aren't really, you know, they they have got a right thing is the annoying thing with Plaid is that they've been put, they've had a radical, really radical manifestos mm-hmm. in the past. They, well, this one wasn't particularly; it was more like a mission statement, what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the Assembly manifestos are always like at least as radical as the Corbyn ones. So I think they've got to ask themselves now: How is it they're still not seen as a radical party? How are they still seen as this like almost like the, the green version of like? You know the Lib Dems, or yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like kind of like a a moderate party, when actually the manifestos are fairly radical. So I think that's I don't know. I think they're probably going to have to reassess and think like, well, um, how, how how can we how they're going to work have to work out now how they can reposition themselves um, as a, as as well. They are different to Labour, but they also people were saying like on Twitter and things like that. Plaid people were saying, oh, if you want Corbyn's policies, vote Plaid. And I think that like, is definitely true because you know, Plaid MPs definitely agree with what Corbyn was saying, you know, yeah. apart from when it comes to things like Wales, but regardless of your intentions, I think that's inevitably going to come off, well, why don't you go leave it? Yeah, I think um, a big problem as well is that there is a massive regional difference in terms of, if you ask people in different parts of Wales, what, what the, why would you vote Plaid? Mm. You get quite different things from like areas where there's quite rural farmers, the Welsh language aspects, and like I, like, I think in the Valleys areas probably is just lending them votes to what they think is a socialist party mm. but I think outside of that it's probably quite different like from where you're from and yeah Caradigion I'm happy for Caradigion <laughs> um, because how long has it been since they they were pri- applied previously it's oh, been ages a while yeah since Simon Thomas was there wasn't it and I drove through there about a week before the election and it was, you could never have told who was going to get it. It was so much, so equal, it seemed. What, Plaid and Lib Dem? Uh... No Labour, no Tory. I didn't see one 
like placards. It's a weird little place, Katie. Yeah. But um, I think plies are they're quite good at like localizing their their aim. So um, they appeal to like the agricultural community in Caradigion. So basically, they're stealing who might be a Tory in Carmarthen mm. is applied voter in Caradigion because they're quite good on agriculture. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, but the fact that they're good at localising also means that sometimes there's not unity across Wales, and I think that that maybe is what's lacking as that's, well. I mean, that, that's what people have said at the SNP at the moment, and it's a broad coalition based, I mean, of different interests. So... Apparently there has. I mean, I didn't think this was a thing, but apparently there have been a lot of people going from the SNP to the Tories. You know, yeah. which, which is something that was I didn't think was a thing, but apparently it happened. So, as you said, I mean, that's probably something. That but what are you saying about the point of like you know, plight need to be more radical? Don't you think? First of all, like I think we perhaps hinted at it um, in previous episodes, like with uh, Maya about Wales Knife um, and his book, and um, how. Plaid occupying himself as like a radical party when that's not going to stick in somewhere like Erin's just saying in Caradigion or like more conservative areas. Well, I mean, I've always just when, when like you know, there's perhaps not like that hotbed of radicalism that is sometimes painted on Wales. But there's a real passion for preserving the language as well. Yeah, that's another one that wins it in places like Caradigion. So that kind of linguistic conserv, you know, wanting to preserve something, yeah. but also being really forward thinking in wanting to preserve it as well that kind of control you do have as well you have those like conservative voters who are somehow like deeply concerned about like who owns Wales's resources and stuff who are like oh we should nationalise the energy industry and stuff and it's like wait a sec why are you voting why the hell are you voting <laughs> well, the Tories Theresa May saying like oh, all workers should take control of the industry near enough by the factories like yeah that. yeah and um, well, I mean, what was funny, like, if you think about, like, the hot takes or, like, the amazing liberal media coming up with, it was, like, this is most, like, radical, like, you know, Theresa May's compassionate conservatism, like, she's, like, parked attacks on Labour's law, like, and then that rapidly got abandoned for... Fox well, th- this is what people, like, forget. They say, no, oh, a Tory manifesto was bad, they left the mask off. Like, 90% of those journalists said that, like, that manifesto was a shift to the left. Yeah. When they came out, they were like, oh, they're occupying t- t- uh, Corbyn's ground, he's gone left, they're going to win up all the centre votes. It's, it's, a, it's a pitch for the centre, and it's like, no, it's the most, like, far-right... Like, far uh, manifesto we've seen in, in decades like that's what most people said about it but all these like very intelligent uh, politicos or whatever didn't capture that at all well what's what's the best like worst take you've you've seen of this election because i mean the you know the, the media the experts are well i mean the morons are in this fake they're absolute idiots so like they're correctly getting hammered although some of them just now just openly saying like corbyn's amazing and then like last week they were saying like, "I'm sorry to my my, my kids for Jeremy Corbyn." <laughs> like, so what's the I mean? What's the best you've seen and the worst you've seen? Anything about the election? Mm. It's just it's I, hard, I would, hard to pick. Hard to pick one in a mile. Yeah. I, I was uh, quite certain that the UKIP vote would naturally f- f- uh, fall towards the Tories, and it turned out a lot of it went back to Labour. So pretty much two days before the election, I was like, ah, leave again, slaughtered. Just kind of like uh, imagining the smugness of me being right. So I was like, oh, God, I was, I was completely wrong. You wanted to delete those tweets? No, I, the thing is, I just I let them say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I quite enjoyed Owen Jones's like, 
a gradual weathering of before the election, Corbyn got to go, has to go. You know, maybe Clive, Clive Lewis is a good example, and then election time is just like Corbyn is the best person in the world. I, for one, am surprised that BBC journalist uh, Clive Lewis has managed to sort of uh, reposition himself. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's like, I don't try. I, I just don't try. I just don't trust any of them. I don't mean. I don't know. I I like to think that Corbyn is doing a whole, you know, Godfather thing. With like Fredo, sort of like you know, he knows they all betrayed him, and he's just gonna take Owen Smith out, Rowan, and just have someone shoot in the back of the head or something. Like, what is he allowed to do? Like, well, yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> is, 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 is to like assassinate you. No, no, you're, you're, you're right. Because I, I just, yeah. I, like, how does it work? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, basically, um, yeah, we're but, just fantasizing about Kulak. I'm not a But yeah, yeah. It, and that's the thing. In my head, it would be as simple as like you know, proper um, Ramzan. Carried off, whatever. I'd be like, oh, just, like, you know, go and just, just like literally have your rivals assassinated or like exiled or like you know, gulag them or something like that. But apparently, deselection is uh, is quite hard to do. Like Dai was saying, it's not you know, it's not that simple. You can't just like kick someone at the party. But I know that part of the the battle within Labour at the moment is for control of processes like deselection, so they'll make it easier in future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, I mean, like, it's it's kind of like, you know, Wayne David made this thing, it was like, you know, say if Wayne David who spent, like, the entire leadership campaign and election, like, running down Corbyn, saying, hey, if Jeremy wants me to take up, you know, put a, have a seat on the front bench, then I'd be more than happy to step up. Corbyn's going to Saturday, yeah, that'd yeah. be pretty fancy, like, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just like Jeremy Corbyn's getting all these... Um, Responses like on a WhatsApp, and, you know, and he looks, and he looks at it, and it's like he laughs with this person. The, like the huge, the huge Labour MP group of working WhatsApp. They got two, and they are acting like this split the group of me. Yeah, what like happens a, first? It unfolds on WhatsApp, and then in Parliament, and the media. Picture. There's like a centrist group with like John Harris and all like the Guardian like uh, centrist writers who are just like Andy Burns, like the the funny one in the group. Like <laughs> he's like he just keeps telling everyone to like. Like his Spotify playlist. <laughs> I think the the thing is though, it's like number one, he's got like what ninety nine percent of the the membership on his side at this yeah. point, and within Parliament now, I guess he does have that core around him who've, who've been through it. And during the election, like all of them, kind of really just jumped up and came out of nowhere. So like soldiers, like yeah, you had you had you had obviously Corbyn did well. You had like Thornbury doing. Like I've never seen Emily Formbury like yeah. do much before that, and like all of a sudden she's just like demolishing arguments. And you had McDonald basically being like probably one of like, the best. Take a name, Do you see? Had to leave halfway through cha- like um, the Channel Four thing. Just like get yeah, the camera. He, just was like, see you later. he, he yeah. generally comes across as like a little bit unhinged as well, which is why I love. Yeah, McDonald. yeah, that's what I like. But it. like it's like they had Damien uh, Damien Green, uh, who's now effectively Deputy Prime Minister. Yeah, was on about nationalisation on on I think it was. Like Andrew Marshall and McDonald was like, yeah, the only reason you're against nationalisation is because you're on the boards of these companies with all profit of our resources. So like, Damien Green have obviously never been confronted about this yeah. kind of thing. But you have like, like I don't know, like Barry Gardner as well, and all these like people who have just come out of nowhere. And the thing is, considering everyone says, oh well, Yvette Cooper and uh, Chukaramuna and all these are really good on TV. Like they're not. They're not. Like these guys, like they've done way better. Like yeah, I, I've yeah. never seen like a Beth Cooper on TV and be like, oh, she seems like a some relatable yeah, person. yeah, a relatable person who I want to lead or whatever. And like it's the same with Sugar Moon. Like I've never seen him say anything of substance. And it's, it's I, I don't understand why 
like basically the, the only thing the Blairites can say is oh well we're very like media savvy and we can like manipulate the, the public mood well or like capture it well yeah, and, they're kind of and they're not even good at that. Yeah, they're useless at everything, aren't they? Yeah, they're just, they're, just, they're just wrong about everything at this point. So. Corbyn now needs to draw like his soldiers around him, then he like his conciliaries, the capos <laughs> and things like that, and they go out to the regional branches and things, um, and they hang out in front of like pork stores wearing like tracksuits <laughs> and yeah. vests. Like, um, I guess like they said that the, they were all there when the PLP basically tried to destroy him as a person is what they said isn't it yeah. and like they got through it and once, I guess once you go through something like that together you're going to be there forever and this is the mad it's thing it's good team building exercise this is why um, you know again not in the Labour Party although I wish Corbyn well and I don't like the Welsh Labour Party you've got all these you know, back in the day as you just said Dan, like, there was a leak from the Labour Party centrist and they literally said we are trying to break Jeremy Corbyn as a person. Like we're trying to basically, uh, almost like kill him, like almost break this man's spirit so he's got nothing left. I mean, and that's what they're trying to do. And now he's going to take these people back. Come on, he knows. He's smarter than that. He's going to take them back in and, and see them off uh, at some stage. He's got to. I guess, I guess, what, who's he taking back in? Like Owen Smith? Owen Smith's did... gone sent out to the, the provinces. Yeah. Like, as Gwilym just said on Twitter, like, I guess he does have an interest in Northern Ireland and the way that situation is at the moment. It kind of maybe does make a bit sense. Yeah. But like he's kept like a bit Cooper away. Mm. Maybe he's hoping that things with the DUP are going like to kick him a fresh and Smith will be like well, I said, the last or something. I said back in the day actually that like people said why on earth is Owen Smith going for the leadership uh, thing that he can't win um, and he has got a chance of winning. So I honestly think that Owen Smith is cynical enough or you know being like a former journalist like a lobbyist his main game main uh, idea was to he knew he was going to lose it's a chance to come out of it with huge public profile you know like everyone in the UK sort of knows who he is essentially now before he was like really obscure he's come out of it like in a statesman like way and blah blah and now he's got a shadow you know position in the shadow cabinet so it's like well played really um, so I don't know now, um, everybody knows apparently he's a big cock as well so like congratulations that was that, that was like really, the whole point of the leadership campaign he's just been his whole life how do I get this information and he just couldn't even wait like just tell my wife to spread it around just, just, <laughs> just think about the timeline where uh, Angela Eagle is actually the Prime Minister at the moment my God, that's man. a timeline I want to live in yeah yeah I mean there's some of the takes of like you know the um, Oh, the moderates would have like won, you know, the landslide things. But I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, there's, I mean, there's an interesting article I've been reading. Um, so it's by Matt Bolton. Matt wrote uh, a couple of really interesting. Matt, things. who? Uh, Bolton. Oh, I've got that article as well. Yeah, great Which one's that one? But basically, he's saying that you know, Corbynism. He's reassessing Corbynism. So he's saying that basically, like Corbynism, by bringing together like that's yeah, amazing, isn't it? By bringing together <laughs> like, uh, um, he says basically because there's a broad alliance. He's brought old UKIP voters in because he mm. said basically he said. Brexit is going to happen. We're going to be able to single market, um, and he's also brought in things like people like Greens, Plaids, Lib Dems, people who are really like pro EU, pro freedom of movement. So, what Matt Bolton basically does is pisses, is tries to, he's trying to piss all over people's uh, chips, which I think is a really good point because there are contradictions in Corbyn's um, broad church. Like um, really? the thing is, I don't think, but I don't think that's going to, I don't think they're going to come to the fore. Immediately, like no, but I mean, like what he's saying is really good article about how he can triangulate himself as like you know constantly a, pr- a principled man, and you know there's that um, on social media him getting arrested uh, for 
yeah, um, yeah. protesting against apartheid. But then Matt in his article points out, like, you know, every Labour um, MP was against apartheid. Mm. It's not like going against the grain particularly. But then how, you know, um, I guess political culture now has shifted so much that in 2015, when the Labour Party put controls on immigration on mug, that was just like, you know, a big no-no. But then he can actually say, take a harder stance on immigration now because of just what's happened. Um, the other interesting thing he said, that which you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get people on, you know, that are more you know, smarter than me, maybe Cal- Calvin will come on. Um, <laughs> um, basically says that like, the 2015 election was dominated by discussion of the deficit and debt. Um, and he said basically what happened is that the, the Tories kept repeating they were still clearing up Labour's mess. And he said it trapped Ed Miliband in a political territory from which he could never win. And every word from his mouth was framed by the context of Labour's overspending. It led to the crash and to the deficit. And he just couldn't get away from that. It's like Labour were going to bankrupt the country. And that has sort of hung around Corbyn's neck for a while, you know, the magic money tree. Uh, it never really thing. stuck. But it hasn't it? really stuck in the same way. Um, so but basically what he's saying is that like, Austerity has finally started to bite the lower middle classes and the middle classes. I mean, like, because it has jobs are insecure, house prices are through the roof, you know, rent outstrips um, salary in London for like the first time ever. So, um, it basically, he's, he's saying that Brexit has wiped the economic slate clean. That's exa- exact words. Um, so, basically, he's saying that Corbyn and McDonnell have had the space to make spending commitments and undo an austerity in a way that just wasn't available to Miliband, um, which is something I think we should return to, but it's quite interesting. Mm. Um, all right. I guess the thing you would want to say as well, though, is like they've, they did play that particularly well in terms of like the way they actually put forward those nationalisation policies and like the way the courage to actually do it. They, they were ahead of the Tories, and I, I imagine the Tories weren't expecting it at all. Yeah. Could we also mention, I think it's been overlooked, just how bad the Tory campaign was. <laughs> and just like how much that played into it. I mean, because earlier we were talking about the terrorist attacks, and you think, like, oh my God, like a terrorist attack during an election against an opponent who's been, you There's know... two. Uh, yeah, two, an open support of the IRA. And it just kind of falls back, like, oh, who was the Home Secretary at the time? It was like, oh, ah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just like things with the dementia attacks, not costing their manifesto at all. Uh, someone at work was quite funny about that. Because um, I was still watching she was planning to vote, she said, like, oh, I'm going to vote Tory. And, I said, and she said, because Labour's sums don't add up in their manifesto, which the IFS did say, but I don't think she was aware of that. But I pointed out, like, well, Tories don't have any customs in their manifesto. And she's like, well, think about it. Can't criti- be criticised if you don't have them. Smart. It's smart, isn't it? Where's yeah. your manifesto? Don't have one. Can't criticise them. Yeah, that's good leadership. Though. Don't forget uh, Fox hunting as well. Which yeah. surprisingly, like a lot of people are just like, okay, can't can't vote for them now. That's, that's, the, that's the final straw. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, like it was for so many people. People do though, care yeah. about that yeah, a lot. I mean, it's like what you have to write your essay about when you do an English lab <laughs> 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 for the last twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think though with. The way they ran that campaign, they got so overconfident, they thought they could talk about certain issues, which they get openly mocked on. They say, like, oh, the NHS is getting more money spent. And, like, half the crowd is laughing. At yeah. Them. And I think since that, and, like, the reaction to, um, obviously, this fire and everything else has happened since the election as well, I, I think they've... I think that they, they there's, there's something hanging around them now, which they're not going to be able to get rid of for quite a while. Like, all that work Cameron did to try and detoxify them or whatever... That's going to be there. There's going to be people now who will like look at what's happened this year 
look at what we've made and they will look at like this DUP coalition as well and like what that will inevitably bring mm-hmm. and what it will do in terms of like how socially conservative it is and as well what it will mean for like regional funding and stuff like that and they will look at it and say I'm never going to vote Tory I will never ever vote Tory Senate Amber had into debate for you as well I just met that I mean I, the thing is I mean I always thought that but then I think you know if, you, if you're still voting conservative I mean who are the people that are tipped over? You know, who are these people that are tipped over the edge? Right? <laughs> these, like, you know, these. It, I mean, it is, as you said, it's the extreme. You know, if there is a coalition, which I'm sure there will be eventually, it's the extreme end of social conservatism. Obviously, the DP and there, like, oppose like homosexuality and like sort of creationists and these lunatics, aren't they? But um, yeah, we, I mean, how? I mean, so it's okay for people to use food banks and to homeless people to sort of die freezing in the cold, um, but. Actually, you know, but you'd be all right though. Cameron gave conservatives a veneer of of laddishness, like, but no, but you know, he, I mean, he, if you think, if you look at Cameron, the dude's pretty music. I mean, he's a good yeah, politician, like, right? Yeah, sex with pigs, like, pigs' heads, <laughs> but he did that and, like, he, he owned actually, it. He made it work. I, I was, I've never bought the line that, like, he's actually brilliant speaker I just think it's like a lot of people in the media kind of relate oh, yeah. to him in a way and they attribute like oh he's a great speaker because that's how they see themselves but like, yeah. there, there was points in there was points there was points in the debates where Theresa May was getting asked questions around like NHS mental health and stuff and she was just being so cold back and I was like you know what like Cameron probably would have just said look I promise to look into this issue like like we can speak afterwards or something more personable yeah. and she's not capable of it like she's just so she's so like pig-headed and strong-minded and she just has to be like well well you know the, the opposite party would destroy the economy and it's like what well, I'm telling you like I have serious mental health already, issues like, like. <laughs> I noticed every time she got nervous as well she'd like nod and then take a big big sip of her drink like, yeah just yeah Bad poker face Teresa I always imagine she's got really long arms as well did you see that interview they did and they were asking her like basic questions so like you know do you prefer takeaway or I don't know what this is like takeaway or cooking at home and like you know heels or flats and like every answer was like non-committal like I wear both um, I prefer to cook you know, never had a takeaway <laughs> um, and then you know like that we rate dogs account on Twitter people were like if Theresa May ran it it would be like every dog 6 out of 10 <laughs> and they would say um, I think we can all agree that this is a dog you know like um, and it would just be nothing else just, um but yeah, I mean, you see Cameron, there was like footage of like Cameron in some like banquet and he was going up and like slapping his mate's asses and being like really sort of, you know, like a hooray Henry, which I'm sure is what he was. Like Henry really, Hoover. A really, a really confident sort of public school boy. He was fairly charismatic. And she's there like reading off these like, you know, on that Simpsons where like McBain is like doing stand-up and it's just like, <laughs> just nothing like, and she's just trying to make these like j- jokes that like Lana Corbin and she also like, she doesn't remember it or she doesn't get the joke or something. Uh, Misses the punchline. It was just absolutely, absolutely appalling. Um, all right, the other thing was interesting, and I think, you know, this is where I'm not saying that we were to blame for like the sort of left-wing surge, but people have always said that like Twitter's an echo chamber and stuff like that and blah, blah, but I mean, you've got grime artists coming out of Sport Corbin, which in the context of the UK, you can't really ask for more, for more street cred, can you? I mean, like, you, you could have like, I mean, do you remember when, like, you know, Blair was, like, New Labour in Power, and it was, like, you know, Oasis, like, Simply Red, all these, like, <laughs> middle-of-the-road, like, I mean, sort of white... Dream. Uh, yeah, you know, like, like, all these people coming out saying, like, you know, you know Blair, like, uh, doing Keep You Up, he's with, like, Kevin Keegan and stuff, and... But now you've got actual, actual working-class people from, you know, council states in London making, like, cutting-edge music actually coming out to their massive audiences and saying... 
this is a guy that we can actually get behind. And it's not because they've got anything particularly in common with Corbyn, other than the fact he's a principal person. And yeah. it's and the fair, fact. Isn't it? But he went and spoke to him, didn't he, as well? That's the thing. Yeah, and it's the fact that that scene is so unbelievably radical and different. It's just bizarre. Yeah, when well, it shouldn't be, really. I did find it a bit forced. Like, oh, Corbyn on the front of NME. Yeah, but like he did, he did like he went out and spoke to some of those crime artists, and like I was thinking, oh, you know, they're just going to be putting a video out of them together. Like he was having like lengthy discussions. He was letting them ask him whatever questions they wanted, and like it felt like very authentic when you look at it. Yeah, yeah, he seemed really comfortable. Like he seemed to, because I was worried that it would come across as a bit kind of. He's giving them his mixtapes and stuff, when he? He's doing like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying to be done with the kids or whatever. But it didn't come across like that at all, I didn't think. No. I thought he came across really well. Uh, and he's a good listener, Corbyn is. He really listens to what people ask him. So it is unusual, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do that abstraction from like the question that some politicians do. No. He actually answers them. Draw like a parallel with Bernie Sanders a bit. It's like, you know... Sanders released a diss record, didn't he? He did. Um, <laughs> with Run the Jewels. Yeah. Killer Mike Buck. LP on the beat. Yeah. Well, you're saying Sanders, right? Oh, yeah, you know, it's like, he, it, he seems like a normal guy, you know, someone, I guess, to perhaps to like Corbyn's strength in this, she was, he wasn't media savvy and he wasn't polished, that perhaps that made him a bit more relatable. But obviously, as the campaign went on, he was uh, a lot more. Well, he did get a lot better. Um, I mean, I think for those of us who are into hip hop, I mean, there's a potential, as I said, there's a potential for massive cringe there, isn't it? Someone mm. like artificially trying to be like down with the kids, but that's not really what you need. I mean, it's just shows like, you know, that JME thing, and it's just like, you just need someone that's actually a, a decent uh, a decent human being. Um, but I mean, I really do, it would have been awesome if like, you know, as they were talking, someone just like drops beating Corbin, just that's so like, yeah, okay, give me yeah. a minute. Like, he's still be speaking. Head starts barking, he's like, turn your headphones up. No, but he'll be speaking, and then like, slowly he'll start rhyming, and then they get a bit quicker, and then it's... All right, is there anything else we haven't covered? I mean, this is going to be, I, I, if you guys are up for it, start the series on electoral fallout. Where are we going? We haven't even discussed the DUP, you know, the, the new coalition of chaos. We haven't discussed, like, you know, where, where do we like? You know, where do we see Wales? Where, are we going to see another snap election? Are the people who have just elected um, actually going to fight Wales's corner? But I mean, there's a lot of play people have been saying, like, pulling their hair out and saying, "Okay, I understand. We all voted for you know, you all voted for Corbyn and things like that." But ultimately, what you're getting now is uh, however many people in Westminster that are they actually going to are they actually going to fight for Wales in this sort of Try end time. I mean, so that's what I mean. we mean. We have to, you know, remains to be seen, really. So um, we'll report on it two weeks after it's happened. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a different game now, isn't it? It's just a totally different game. Every, everything has changed. I think so. Games changed. It has changed. Um, all right. <laughs> Aaron and Dan, uh, Blue Books Burner and Emulations, as I've known you like on Twitter. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming. It's been absolutely amazing. Is there any shout outs you'd like to give to people listening? Shout out to my mum. Love you. mum. <laughs> Chantelle, which is my mum. Okay. <laughs> Two shout outs, one person. It's high amount there. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I think I've already made one shout out halfway through the show, but That's I guess uh, just to say uh, 
who's been pretty good recently. Stan, yeah. Tristan, yeah, yeah. he's been pretty good. Matt Zarb, even though some yeah, people don't like him, I've quite enjoyed him recently. And good uh, guy. Uh, good guy, I think. And then um, Kieran Morris. So we've all been brilliant through the election, so a thumbs up from me for good a while. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> um, shout out from me. Um, can't really think of any. Um, just lost a job, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a shout out for employment. If anyone uh, can help uh, Dan out, um, I only write for money now, though. So you know, uh, don't come up, don't DM me with. Don't expect a booth to come No, uh, yeah. Thanks for having a huge support in the show. Uh, keep um, retu- some, keep have, retweeting. Have some shout outs as well. That's all right. Yeah, let me just go right. like a whole thing. Um, it's not again. No. Um, also, you know, we need to call out people we want on the show as well. So, uh, Michael Sheen, like, we're coming for you, like, you're going to come on the show. Aditya, yeah, Aditya come on. you come on the show. And Hugh Stevens, you can come on and we can talk about music and things like that. And it'll be awesome. Um, I'd also like to say shout out and RIP to Prodigy of Mob Deep, who died of a heart attack age 43 or something this week, which is really sad because when I was coming up in the game, <laughs> no, but, you, know, you know, Mob Deep have always been like uh, just an amazing. Hip-hop group. And actually, Prodigy was one of these people. And if it's okay with you, if I want to do like Prodigy outro, where he's just talking about how old, like really is and how like yeah, he yeah. stepped me in the club. You know, he's like I'm. And then he actually did go to prison for like three years on like weapons possession charges, which is like the standard rap rapper like you know way to get incarcerated. And while he's in prison, when he came out rather, he released like a prison cookbook. <laughs> of like uh, it was really funny, like because it's just like they're like the Prodigy's prison eats like. Um, so he's one of the greatest, so rest in peace. Uh, shout out to me, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the only sure. monarchy I recognise. And I will give uh, a shout out to... Legend Allegiance to Godzilla, yeah? Yeah, you know, no, you know where it's going to go in the future. Yeah. Um, also to the barman on first dates, who I'm convinced has killed a guy. Do you watch no, first dates? I haven't seen it, man. I watch it, and he's just... Oh, like, no, I have seen it. Yeah, but the barman, he's just always got, like, slightly unhinged. And I reckon he's got, like, a bit of a dark past, but now he's works as a barman for, on TV. Like uh, the guy in Wayne's World that keeps... Yeah, yeah, the, the character, shot, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So what's the shout with him? You want him to snap, or what? Like, you just... Oh, no, I just think it's just funny, because he's, he's, he's like, always, like, yeah, I don't know, he's someone who maybe tries to act like how he thinks people should act and it just comes this is it's very it. subtle I was like oh I wonder like if he's got a bit of a dark past did he kill someone I, I reckon so sure yeah um, okay oh um, we should also say as well that like um, Matthew Godwin the professor in uh, political science in Kent University who um, basically said like if Labour get over 38% I eat my Brexit book and like for about <laughs> two full days it was just people on Twitter just capital letters <laughs> eat it eat the book like just and I was trying to obviously like, killing myself laughing and I'm trying to explain it to my girlfriend why that's funny like you know just ah, and, you know they said you eat the book and, was, and obviously it just doesn't seem funny when you explain it to him but it was awesome but like a certain like Professor Roger Scully said that, no, 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 <laughs> that um, you know Roger obviously you know did like attractive but Roger Scully did say that you know he thought that whales might turn blue so we're not, Luckily, saying, we're not saying eat the book, but maybe just like a page. Like just, just, uh, just imagine like 50 years from now when people are writing books about socialism and they'll be saying, well, you know, it's so bad they have to eat books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's kind of like a contract now, isn't it? Just like if there's anything really wrong in it, you're just going to have to eat it. It's a good thing about not doing, if you're a sociologist, you know, and you do qualitative research, you don't ever make any hard predictions. You can say, well, you know, it's just what people I interviewed said, so um, uh, you don't ever have to sort of go for that.
Mm. Ritual Humination. Didn't Paul like, Joseph Watson say he eats books as well? Don't mind that dude's so weird. <laughs> the dude, <laughs> weirdest thing is, he's, he's in his mid-thirties and he just acts like he's like 17 or something. Yeah. Like the oldest member of a boy band. Yeah. Which I know. The, the, the sign you're getting old is like, I'm too old for that now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, 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 hold the fuck up. We gonna take this little intermission and listen what the fuck I got to say, you know? I've been doing this shit for years, holding heat, selling, using, abusing all kinds of drugs, robbing niggas, running up in niggas' cribs, you know, the whole shit. So don't ever in your life get me confused with some of them other niggas that you might see on TV or hear on the radio and such. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is me, P. I'm speaking for my fucking self. When you see me at a show, on stage, or on the street, I definitely got to get on me, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And it ain't like I'm trying to be a tough guy or trying to make people think I'm crazy by saying all this shit. But what it is that I know how niggas gets down, all right? I used to be in the clubs, the Muse, the Tunnel, whatever the fuck. Niggas get their little drink on, having fun with their little crew, you know what I'm saying? Start cutting, shooting, whatever, things like that. A lot of these so-called rap niggas ain't never seen no parts of that shit, you know what I'm saying? Dig where I'm coming from? Well, what up, yo? And I know a lot of y'all niggas, matter of fact, all y'all niggas right now listen to this shit. Like, yeah, yeah, we gonna see the mob deep niggas. We gonna see what they about, you know what I'm saying? Test the niggas, see what level they head is at. But, yo, I'll let y'all niggas know right now, you know what I'm saying? You ain't gotta waste your time or your money on your hospital bills. That if you steps me on a personal level, I don't back down easy, you know what I'm saying? There's a good chance your ass even gonna get shot, stabbed, or knuckled down. One out of the three. So don't gamble with your life, dude. Word up, and believe me. I know very well I can get shot, stabbed, or fucked up too, whatever. I ain't super nigga, I'm a little skinny motherfucker. It's all about who gets who first though, you know what I'm saying? So therefore, say no more to all my niggas. Get the money, frontin' niggas get the seats. And oh yeah, so all them rap ass niggas with your half ass rhymes talk about how much you get high, how much weed you smoke, and that crazy space shit that don't even make no sense. Don't ever speak to me when you see me, you know what I'm saying? Word, I'm about to get on some old high school shit, start punching niggas in their faces for living. Yo, I'm finished when I had to say, y'all can continue on.